We had our first looks at Gophers Fall Camp this past Saturday. What were the quick insights? And then we're diving into the new Purdue Boilermakers. You are no locked on happens, Golden Gophers. No matter what we're going to do here, we're just going to keep rowing. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota uh, Golden turns out, Gophers. Whatever turns out, we're just going to keep rowing. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're just going to keep rowing, keep rowing, and keep rowing. What's up, Gophers Nation? You are listening to Locked On Golden Gophers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Kane Robb, host of the podcast, former collegiate football video coordinator and recruiting assistant, here to talk Golden Gophers with you each and every day of the week, Monday through Friday. And we've just had our first official look at fall camp on Saturday evening at Huntington Bank Stadium. We'll talk about the insights there and then continue on with our Behind the Enemy Lines. We've got three of opponents left to break down and today's opponent is Purdue so if you want to know everything about every single opponent the Gophers have on the schedule this season then definitely hit subscribe check out the other videos that we have already been talking about with every opponent up until the Purdue matchup so far and then we'll have Wisconsin and Ohio State coming out in the next two days then we're diving into more Gophers inward insights we're talking about the things that are happening in fall camp the things that we might want to be on the lookout for as the season comes and breaking down the depth chart and who is looking to potentially be on that two deep and starters heading into the 2023 season. If that sounds like everything you need and more, then be sure to hit subscribe over on YouTube and follow wherever you get your podcasts at Locked On Golden Gophers. We've got you covered with Gophers daily content. This is the show where we always continue to roast. So let's do it. Let's dive into fall camp. But before we do that these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post about your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. Now, fall camp insights. Let's dive in right away. Now, last week I had said that Tyler Bride had been standing out. Now, I had my numbers a little bit mixed up with the new incoming additions, and the correction was Trayvon Jones was the guy kind of standing out at times. That being said, if we flip to the cornerback depth right away, I asked Coach P.J. Fleck about how he was feeling about the cornerbacks in the early stages of this camp, and he said he likes what he's seeing, but they still don't know where they're going with that position. They still are up in the air with that position. They could go a bunch of different ways. Now, if you looked at the ones reps in this practice, which you still can't take as 100% solid truth, that's what's happening. But almost all of the ones reps when it came to team periods, when it came to the opening plays and cadence walkthroughs, the ones periods, Tariq Watson was across from just Justin Wally as the other cornerback. So that'll be something to keep an eye on to see if he continues to have that trend and play that position or have the lead towards that starting position. So Tariq Watson was the guy kind of always out there across from Wally. Then coming in the backups right behind them with the twos was both Tyler Bride and Trayvon Jones. So both of them getting a lot of looks. So it looks like maybe those three are the three guys to watch in the the pursuit of that 
competition of the starting cornerback position. Now, maybe it could rotate every once in a while. Maybe it could rotate depending on the game plan, uh, depending on if you need more speed as opposed to size, because Tariq Watson is a little bit shorter, but he is a faster cornerback. And maybe Trayvon Jones or Tyler Bride could bring a little bit more size to it. We know Rylan Kelly behind those three um, has more size to him and is a taller cornerback at that. So they have some options in that cornerback room, but those three stood out the most as guys who might have the lead in that competition for the cornerback. Now, the other positions in which there are some battles going on is the left guard and the right tackle positions. Now, we saw a lot of J.J. Gaudet out there at right tackle. We still saw a decent amount of Martez Lewis as well. I believe that competition is pretty tight, and it's rotating pretty frequently, but we saw them both work with the twos as well. So the right tackle is in the thick of it, in the full of it. <clears throat> now, personally, I am a big fan of Martez Lewis. I was a big fan of Martez Lewis last fall camp, and he was kind of my favorite to take that right tackle position. Now, Quinn Carroll ended up taking it, and then Martez Lewis didn't really get any playing opportunities. Neither did J.J. Gaudet in the season last year. But when Ariante Ursary went down with an injury, Martez Lewis did step in, and he was one of the best-graded PFF pass blockers for the Gophers on the roster last season in his bits and spurts of activity. I really think with his size, with his ability to move slightly quicker than a lot of the other old lineman that I've seen in this in this depth chart, I would be shocked. Not fully shocked. I, I was shocked last year when he didn't win it. This year, I would be a little bit disappointed if he doesn't get the job because I truly think he can be a difference maker out there <clears throat> at the tackle position. They said that he has the versatility to kick inside to the guard as well. So why not? He's, he's the younger option. He's the bigger size option. And he held his own. So that's where my head kind of goes. And that's where I would lean in this battle. Now, I could be wrong. They could value the veteranness of J.J. Gaudet. They could value that he has started some games back in the 2020 season prior to injuries and things like that. But staying on the field has been an issue for J.J. Gaudet over the last year. So we'll see how it all shakes out for the right tackle. Now, the left guard, that one's a little bit more interesting. You're still getting some rotation between Tyler Cooper and Carter Shaw. But the way I was looking at things, I think Tyler Cooper has his foot in the door and has the lead in that race. Now, Carter Shaw would be the first man up when it comes to left guard, center, maybe even right guard stepping in if any injuries were to happen. So Carter Shaw would still be a very valuable piece to this offensive line, even if he doesn't win the battle. But the battle is not done. It is the very beginning of fall camp. We've still got four more weeks of fall camp, so I wouldn't lock it in. But if I was leaning any which way as I'm kind of trying to read the tea leaves, I would say Cooper comes in at left guard, Martez Lewis at right tackle. Now the thing with the running back room and the competitions there, all four of those running backs were getting run with the ones. Now that's a great thing to hear when you're Darius Taylor because it really points to I do not think that they're going to hold this kid back. I think they're going to let him take a shot at it and get some touches more than just the non-conference games, more than just a couple games here and there. I think he can enter his name into the conversation as getting a healthy number of touch touches in this football season. Now, we'll see if, it's ha if it happens because it hasn't happened before to that extent with a P.J. Fleck offense in the P.J. Fleck era when it comes to running backs. We've never seen more than two running backs really get a quality amount of touches besides 2021, and that was only due to injuries. 
So we'll see if the Goldfish switch it up, if they shake it up and they make it a little bit more of a committee style, a little bit more of a game plan approach or how it all shakes out. But that is one we're definitely going to keep an eye on here. Now, looking at the twos on the offensive line, that was something that was a bit uh, good to see because that's going to be your two deep. Those are going to be the guys who travel and come with. Now, you saw Jackson Hunter out there at the left tackle. You saw Greg Johnson working in there at the left guard. Cade McConnell took a lot, if not all, of the snaps with the twos when it came to the center position. So he's definitely working in there to maybe be a guy who can have some, some future, some potential at that center position. You've got Cade McConnell now, and then you've got Brett Carroll coming in from next year's class. Those two guys could really help each other, push each other, and fight for that center spot heading into next season. Then you've got Ashton Beers, who has been mentioned multiple times by Coach Flex, someone who has stood out over this last year of with the work and the progress he's put in. He was the two deep at right guard. He has some versatility. I've seen him play left guard. I've seen him out there at left tackle at times. So Ashton Beers definitely brings a lot of versatility to himself. And then we saw, again, Martez Lewis and J.J. Gaudet kind of working in with the twos at that right tackle position. So that's kind of where the two deep was looking for me right now. We'll see what names continue to move and shake when it comes to the offensive line there. But the final fall camp insights that I kind of want to talk about is this defensive line or the defense in general. Some of the things I was noticing, Anthony Smith getting a lot of run with the ones out there on the edge. You love to see it. Danny Strigow also out there. Jalen Logan Redding also out there. Those three are and jaw joiner. Those four guys are kind of the keys out there on the edge rush positions. Again, that was Anthony Smith. Ja Joyner, Danny Strigow, and Jalen Logan Redding. Now, Coach Fleck talked about Jalen Logan Redding in the presser afterwards, and he talked about the growth and the strength and just the knowledge that he has been bringing and upgrading and stepping up with in that defensive line room, and it has helped push guys, young guys like Anthony Smith, and taking them more under his wing. And I really am going to look forward to his progress and what he puts on the field this year. He's come a long way, and I am looking forward to seeing if he can take that next step under the tutelage of Coach Winston DeLatibadier. Now, when you flip to the linebacker side of things, Cody Lindenberg was absolutely flying all over the field, especially in the run defense side of things. That man is fast. He is a bullet shooting out of the chamber, and he is going to have a ton of tackles this season. He held his own in some of the coverage looks, but the, the offense was a little bit vanilla. You had the Big Ten Network there. You had fans there. You had the media there. You're not going to go out there and put a lot of your offensive system out there to the public for people to post or put online or put on Big Ten Network where your opponent will have things to break down. So overall, the offense was a little bit vanilla, so you couldn't see a whole lot, but I loved what I saw from this defense, the physicality. They were wreaking havoc in some of the, the team periods, absolutely blowing up the wrong game, absolutely in there when it came to any of the passes that were coming out there weren't a lot of openings so the defense looks like it is in a good position for early fall camp yeah uh, the linebackers outside of cody lindenberg you've seen a lot of devin williams and ryan selig in there with the first teams as well depending on the packages otherwise there has been a strong group of nickel cornerback presence in there Jack Henderson leading the way in that position, but you've seen guys like Darius Green from the safety position shift into that nickel position, seen Coleman Bryson step into the safety position, Aiden Gowsby getting involved in the safety position as well. Lots of depth 
lots of depth that I was surprised by, especially with the linebackers. I've seen Eli Mao take some reps with the twos. Maverick Baranowski playing with both twos and ones in different exchanges. Sam Gerlach playing with a lot of twos in this one. So Ryan Seelig has looked to maybe take a lead in that linebacker position over Gerlach, but we'll see what happens. Again, it is early fall, but then uh, Craig McDonald playing a lot of nickel snaps as well. I think if all of these guys are eligible, if all these guys can play, the Gophers are in a good spot when it comes to the defense heading into the season. We'll continue to keep you posted. I'm headed to practice again later this week, so I will have more updates there. But let's jump in to behind the enemy lines, talking about our next opponent on the schedule, and that is Purdue. We're talking about that next, and will Ryan Walters' defense carry over from Illinois and give the Gophers problems? That is what's coming up next. But first, we got to talk to you about our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. Now, like I said, if you are overwhelmed and you're a small business that needs to make the right hire, LinkedIn Jobs is the place to be. There's access to so many individuals on their network, and you can help by posting a purple hiring frame on your profile picture so your network can see it and give you suggestions. And then maybe other suggestions will funnel through more as well so it's very easy it's very simple and it is 100% free to make your job post so all you got to do is head on over to linkedin.com slash locked on college again that's linkedin.com slash locked on college and they'll help you find qualified candidates that you want to talk to even faster post about your job for free today terms and conditions apply all right, Gophers fans, we're talking about the Week 11 opponent in the Purdue Boilermakers. Now, they've got a new head coach, a new offensive coordinator, and a new de defensive coordinator all coming in in year one. Ryan Walters is the head coach. He was the defensive coordinator of Illinois last year, which had a top three defense in the nation. Now, this man knows how to build a defense, and we saw it firsthand, making that quick turnaround for the Illinois program. He'll likely get off to a quick start here in Purdue on the defensive side too, especially once he hits year two and gets the right guys in place. But Ryan Walters, I am very intrigued by this coaching hire. Now you move to the offensive coordinator position. You got Graham Harrell. He was a, an offensive coordinator with West Virginia in 2022, an offense that averaged 30.6 points per game behind a very balanced attack. They had about 230 yards passing per game and 170 yards rushing per game. So they were really balanced. That's kind of what we're hoping to see more of from the Gophers this upcoming season. But Graham Harrell shows he can adjust because in 2021, he was with USC and he had the number seven. 17 nationally ranked passing offense with almost 300 yards per game passing with USC and a red zone offense with a 90% efficiency rate at USC. Now it was 20th and third down com conversion percentage and 24th in total offense. So he can build an offense to his personnel, but do they have the right personnel right here this year in year one? That's going to be the biggest question on how many wins this Purdue team can churn out. And then you flip to defensive coordinator Kevin Kane, young guy. He paired with Brian Walters over at Illinois, but he has defensive coordinator experience, not only with Northern Illinois years back, but also with SMU 
uh, prior to his time with Illinois. At SMU, he had several top 25 rankings, including the number one ranking for sacks per game and number three ranking, ranking in tackles for loss in 2019 with his SMU defense. So he's got experience. He pairs well with Ryan Walters. And again, they could have Purdue's defense looking scary here in just a handful of years. Now, when you're looking at the transfer portal for Purdue, they had 15 players that they brought in to the program. Walter got, Walters got a big jump on building his defense, bringing in eight transfers, and a lot of them could have the opportunity to start in year one. You've got cornerback Markevious Brown coming from Ole Miss. The Gophers were in on this one as well, and it seemed like it was down to Purdue and the Gophers, and he chose Purdue. We'll see how it plays out, but both Markevious Brown, Marquise Williams, who comes from Penn State and plays the cornerback, or Marquise Wilson, excuse me, who comes from Penn State, plays cornerback, and then also Salim Turner-Muhammad, a cornerback from Stanford. Three cornerbacks from the portal. I imagine two of these will be the starters on week one and from the jump, but all three will likely be involved in this defense. They also brought in two safeties in Braxton Myers from Ole Miss and Anthony Brown from Arkansas. So all these players are also coming from Power 5 schools. Ryan Walters is really looking at how he can – help these players fit into the right role. They weren't in the right space, spaces for those SEC schools, for those other P5 programs that they were at. But if he can get them in the right roles, playing the way he had guys playing at Illinois, it could be scary pretty fast. Now you've got Isaiah Nichols and uh, Malik Langham, and then Jeffrey Mabat, all three of those guys playing the defensive line position coming from Vandy, Auburn, and Arkansas, all SEC guys. So a lot of SEC guys brought in here, Ole Miss, Ole Miss, Vandy, Auburn, Arkansas, Arkansas. And then you've got a Texas, a Stanford, and a Penn State. Those are a lot of quality programs. You know the talent is there, but can he bring it out? And then finally, four offensive line transfers were brought in as well. Now, when we're looking at the offense for Purdue, you're talking about a quarterback in Hudson Card. He was probably the biggest transfer that they brought in. I didn't just mention him in that, but he comes from Texas, the quarterback, and he is officially going to be the starter, plain and simple, for Purdue. I don't think there's any job to win out there. He's already got it on lock. Now, I hear from national media out there all the time that he is a phenomenal addition, one of the best transfer quarterbacks, could be a top quarter five quarterback in the conference. For me, I'm a bit more skeptical. Not to say that the upside isn't there, but Hudson Card is touted like he's this proven guy who has done a whole lot statistically, kind of like what we've seen from uh, Tanner Mordecai with Wisconsin. But it isn't that. In fact, he had a battle for quarterback not once, but twice, and he lost that battle twice. The first time with Casey Thompson, who was Nebraska's quarterback last year and is now in at his third stop at Florida Atlantic. So... Overall, I'm not really sure that Hudson Card should be as touted or as much the confidence that is put into this man right now as a for sure thing. I still think there's a lot of question marks around him because with Casey Thompson and losing that battle, that was on a team that went five and seven. They still had great talent around them. They still had Bijan Robinson over there with them. They still had other wide receivers that were out there that had been highly ranked heading into the season. And then you go into last year where he had a battle with Quinn Ewers, lost that battle, and that team went on to be 8-5. and five, And they added Xavier Worthy. Actually, I think Worthy would have been in both of those because Xavier Worthy was a sophomore last year. So 
Worthy, Robinson, Roshan Johnson, all those guys were on the team. The O-line was the same for all these quarterbacks, but he just wasn't able to get the, the win. Now, there was improvements. There is tons of talent for, around him still heading into this new opportunity. Maybe not as much as what we see from Texas, but I think the drop-off from Texas to Purdue could be a little bit bigger. Plus, the defenses in the Big Ten have proven historically to be more difficult than that of the Big 12. So that gives me a little bit of hesitancy when it comes to Hudson Card with this Purdue team. Though I can see the upside. In 2021, he had a PFF grade of 52.6, 60% completion rate, 588 yards, five touchdowns, and one interception. All of that sounds pretty meh, pretty okay, mediocre. It's fine. He got it done. He took care of the ball. You head into 2022 and he had a 70 PFF grade. So he jumped up 20 points. He almost had a 70% completion percentage, jumping up almost 10%. And then he had 928 yards, six touchdowns to one interception. So he had a better completion percentage, better efficiency, takes care of the ball. Hudson Card is a positive player, but I'm not sure he's a top five quarterback in the Big Ten, and I'm not sure he's a bigger threat than Aiden O'Connell, but time will tell. You move over to the running back room, and we know they've got two players returning that can get it done. You've got Devin Mockaby, a former walk-on. First thing Ryan Walters did was come in and give this man a scholarship, and I believe that is absolutely the right thing to do. Then you've got Dylan Downing, who also played Last season has some experience, but was slowed to injury that allowed Maccabee to really go out there and take over and be the number one running back. And he did so by having 968 yards and nine touchdowns and graded as an 80.3 rusher, according to PFF. Now he practically had five games over hundred yards last year, and he will likely lead a dangerous ground and pound game that I think will be relied upon in year one. Because when you look at the wide receiver things, side of things. TJ Sheffield is the number one receiver coming back. They lost some huge production. They lost Durham at tight end. They lost Charlie Jones at receiver. Those two led the way. They had most of the receiving receiving production. They had most of the targets. Now you have TJ Sheffield who comes back with 480 yards and four touchdowns last season. And then Mershon Rice, who is the second most uh, production coming back. Both of those guys are red shirt seniors. So you're only going to have them for one more year. Now, outside of those two players, it's a major question mark, and I would not be surprised to see Purdue take a shot on some younger guys, some redshirt freshmen, some true freshmen, to help get more flashes on the field and see what they have for the future. Take a shot at building towards the future with this program. Now, the final thing on the offense is the offensive line, and Purdue's got a steady offensive line. You've got three starters back in left tackle Musa, center Hartwig, and then the right guard Mbao. Now Mbao and Hartwig were both plus players and graded well when it came to both running and passing. They need to fill their left guard and their right tackle positions and you could see maybe some of those transfers, four of them coming in. Uh, otherwise, you could see redshirt senior Daniel Johnson stepping in as well who played 218 snaps at right tackle last year. Now personally, I think Preston uh, Nicholas or Nichols is going to have a real shot. He probably should be a starter in this team. He is a UNLV transfer, started 12 games last year, putting up an 81.2 passing block grade. Now, that would be the best on this entire Purdue team from last season. So the offensive line should be sufficient, but maybe not dominant. It should hold its own, but the Big Ten defenses could still find some openings. Now, speaking of defenses, that's where Brian Walters had his bread and butter. 
Last year, Purdue was middling across the, the entire way. They weren't bad, but they weren't great. They were 53rd in the nation in total defense, 52nd in the nation in run defense, 67th in the nation pass defense, 74th in scoring defense, and tied for 37th in turnovers gained. So overall, they were probably sitting around a 50 to 60, top 50 to 60 defense in the league. That's about right about in the middle, just maybe a little bit above average. They don't have a ton of crazy talent on last year's team no single player on the defense really stood out as special they didn't have a single player grade above a 78 on pff so brian walters doesn't have to feel stuck or attached to any players any big name players on the defense that being said they do have four returning starters both of their safeties are back from last year an offensive or not offensive uh, linebacker OC Brothers is back as a starter. And then Kydron Jenkins, who was an edge, is also back as a starter. Those four guys will probably maintain some consistency as starters heading into the season as long as they earn it in camp. But after that, I think you're going to see a lot of whoever gets it done, whether it's a young guy, whether it's a transfer, whoever gets him the best opportunity is going to come in. Now, I imagine Ryan Walters has ideas for the transfers that he went and specifically took out of the portal. So I wouldn't be surprised to see four or five of those guys have an impact right from the jump including uh, the cornerbacks, the cornerbacks and the defensive linemen. You've got three defensive linemen. You've got two or three cornerbacks options from that transfer portal. I think that overall, I would not be surprised to see four of those guys starting for this defense moving forward. Now, they may not grade out or have stats pop off the page, but you can be assured that Brian Walters will play to their strengths and in their roles from that transfer portal. So next, we're going to wrap this thing up by talking about the strengths and the weaknesses of Purdue. Will the Gophers have a, a comeback win, a more rejuvenating win after last year's just pitiful loss against this Purdue team? We're going to talk about that and what will make or break it coming up next. All right, Gophers fans. So we're talking make or break with Purdue. We're talking strengths and weaknesses of Purdue. And this Purdue passing game looks to be taking a step back from what we saw with O'Connell and Charlie Jones and Payne Durham. It's, it's hard to get beyond that fact. But we saw what Ryan Walters' defense did to the Gophers last season, which was one of the best defenses in the nation, best in scoring defense, best in turnovers gained, best in all these categories, on top of being a top three run defense, a top eight pass defense, they were all over the place as an elite defense. So he will likely have this team playing into the top 30 defenses as opposed to a top 50 that it was last season. Now, Minnesota will likely have to bring an extra hat or two on defense to really slow down this run game. Now, last year, the run game picked us apart, especially Devin Maccabee late in that game had a major run that really iced the game for the Gophers or for Purdue versus the Gophers. Now, if you add an extra hat to stop the run or to really slow down the run, then that may leave some openings for the passing opportunities for Purdue, but you want to keep changing the picture, changing formations, changing where the pressure is coming from. And the Gophers are set up to do that very nicely, especially with this strong nickel play that they have where you, sometimes they use their nickel cornerback, cornerback as the Sam linebacker. So you've got guys like uh, Jack Henderson. You've got guys like Craig McDonald, if he gets the waiver of eligibility, that can still keep changing the picture and keep Hudson Card guessing, keep him on his heels when it comes to where's the pressure coming from. Oh, is this a pass look? 
I thought it was a run look. And keeping him confused, that is going to be the biggest thing for this Minnesota team. Their strength at nickel and their versatility with linebackers like Devin Williams and Cody Lindenberg and Maverick Baranowski should be advantageous for the Gophers. I believe the Gophers' offense should be in better shape than last year. Minnesota had multiple times to take the lead in that game, to put themselves as at the forefront in the game last year, even without Mo Ibrahim but made simple mistakes, missing field goals, dropping touchdowns that turned into interceptions, and it fell apart. If the defense can create chaos and change the pictures on card while adding that extra hat to help slow down the run game, they may be able to limit the Purdue offense to the point that they might not be able to do anything through the air and slow down the run game. So the biggest thing is really playing to the versatility in that Nichols and the linebacker to help slow down the run game, and change the picture on Hudson Card to potentially play into errors. I think long-term, Purdue can get it done, get built back up. And in 2023, though, I think that they might be a team that is looking to fight for a bowl game on the high end of things. Now, the strengths for Purdue is the offensive line is pretty stable. The running back has proven himself as a threat. And both the head coach, offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinator bring impressive resumes to this Purdue team. The weaknesses, though, the wide receivers and tight ends are absolutely skeptical. No apparent upside, and I don't see any confidence in special players on that side of the ball. Now, they also have a massive production loss when it comes to both the offensive and defensive sides of ball. Whole lot of new, whole lot of question marks. So I think that Purdue could struggle in 2023. We'll see what happens, but that's going to do it for us on today's episode of Locked on Golden Gophers. I hope you enjoyed it. Tomorrow, we are talking about Ohio State. You're not going to want to miss that one. Who will be the quarterback? Do they have the best receivers in the country? We'll talk about that and more coming up tomorrow. Until then, roll the boat, Sky Imago Gophers. And as always, don't forget to subscribe.